All right, great. Let's take our Bibles and turn for our Bible study tonight to the book of Galatians, Galatians chapter 5. And uh, we are working through the fruit of the Spirit on Wednesday nights, and we've taken a, a time to be able to go through each one of these. We've come to the last group of three, and these, these group of uh, fruit... Uh, divided into three groups of three. Uh, these last three, faith, meekness, and temperance, are fruits of control. Um, they, they deal with some area of control in the life of the believer, an inner controlling, obviously from the Spirit itself. Uh, the first three, love, joy, and peace, uh, that is a, a, an, an, a relational with God, a peace, a joy, a love that comes from God uh, through this fruit uh, that uh, controls us in, in, our, in our private life, in our one-on-one time with the Lord. Through suffering and difficulties, we can still have the joy and the peace of God and the love of God that is given to us to be shed around uh, those. Um, long-suffering, gentleness, and goodness, those are, those are fruits uh, that... Um, must be demonstrated. They're demonstrative fruits that are uh, to be rubbed off. We talked about that, to be rubbed uh, shoulders with. You've got to get out of your, your private room and, uh, and, and go to church. <laughs> you've got to go to work. You've got you to go to the living room. You've got to go uh, out in the neighborhood to demonstrate long-suffering with irritable people and irritating people, to, to uh, show goodness and kindness and uh, gentleness uh, benevolent acts of, uh, of, of love for someone who doesn't deserve it. Those types of acts that God has demonstrated to us. So this is love being demonstrated through these fruit. And then faith, meekness, and temperance. We talked about faith last week as a faithfulness, um, an ability to continue to stay faithful and true. Yes, it is connected with that faith that is, that is rooted in the truth rooted in what we believe, and because of what we believe, what we are rooted in, that faith, it produces within us faithfulness to be true to what we believe in. Don't quit when it gets hard. This is a control of ourselves when, when times get tough, when the peer pressure of the culture is to compromise from the truth of God's Word. We have the control of the Holy Spirit to remain faithful in our life, fidelity is the word that we used last week um, to, be, to be faithful. And this is also connected with the next fruit of the Spirit that is mentioned in verse 23. However, in, in our study, when we're thinking of this uh, fruit of meekness, um, I was just thinking of um, how power is used, and how power often is demonstrated um, in Darwinian evolution. Power is demonstrated through the survival of the fittest. And so the one who is the most powerful is going to survive. So Hitler took Darwinianism and um, and Nietzsche's teaching as well, um, narcissism, and this power and survival and took it in a national level and to dominate. In fact, he saw, in a biblical fashion, he saw Bible truth, Things like virtues, like the fruit of the spirit, especially fruit like that, that like meekness as weakness, 
And that power is to be asserted over another person. And, um, and he showed that. Any, any signs of low status, such as servanthood and humility and meekness in this way, was viewed as weakness and therefore not to be, not to be taught and even shown in, uh, in the day. And so you have a, uh, this is what the flesh does when there is no power under control. Thinking about that in a cultural standpoint, just thinking about this virtue of meekness is not weakness. In our, um, oftentimes meekness is viewed in a sense of inferiority or is disdain. Take, for instance, your workplace. When a person sees a chance to use his power to control others, to, to dominate and get things done, and so they, they march into the workplace and they, they move people and do things and oftentimes at the expense of not caring for people in the way it is, but just looking out to advance in the workplace and uh, being able to just kind of lord and use their power to, uh, to, to trample on over people, um, then that is viewed in our culture today as good management skills. I mean, that, that, that's a good manager. However, the biblical form of leadership is servanthood. So the person in the office or the person in the, you know, in, in the, um, in the unit who, who goes around and helps others and, and is out to look for the advancement of other people, who shows uh, humility, who shows meekness, power under control, and uh, for the betterment of other people, that oftentimes that person is seen as a good worker, but not management material, Right? Because the way leadership is seen in the secular realm is not viewed for the way Christ saw leadership and demonstrated that leadership to his disciples. And one of these characteristics and virtues that Jesus demonstrated through leadership, through servant leadership, was meekness. Power under control. And as he would see that, that power under control. I want to see you power out of control. First, I think it'd be good for us to review again the previous list um, because it's been several months and it's also helpful for us to understand because there are two lists in this chapter. There's the list of the fruit of the Spirit and then in verse 19, there's a list of the work or the works of the flesh. You see that down there, verse 19? Now here is the works of the flesh and they are manifest. Here they are plain. This is demonstrated. And then verse 19, 20, and 21 list these of such like, he says at the end of the list. That means there's, there's others that are like them, but I'm just going to give you these, um, a 10 or 11 that are on the, on the list here, or actually more than that in verse 19 through 21. I think there's more like 15 um, that are listed here of these, the, these um, manifestations of the flesh that come out in the life of... Um, of, of the person who is not walking in the Spirit, the person who is not in control of the Spirit, who doesn't have that, his flesh comes out, his natural man. This is a picture, these verses, verse 19, 20, 21, is a picture of who we are without Christ. This is who we are without the control of the Holy Spirit. These things come out and dominate us. And so I think it would be good, since we're talking about the issue of control, to revisit this. We talked about them at the beginning of the study before we ever dealt with the fruit. 
And it's good for us to go back because to, to some extent, this is what comes out. This is what we are fighting. This is enmity. Notice what he says at the, at the end of, um, uh, of the verse. Uh, well, where, where is it? Yeah, verse 17, the beginning of this. He said, for the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. And so here's the battle that's going on in the life of the believer. The natural man, uh, the old man, and the new man. I would see this in connection with Colossians and Ephesians, where he's talking about put off the old man, put on the new man. And uh, Colossians would carry that same type of of, um, imagery. Here we're seeing it as the spirit, walking in the spirit and being filled with the Spirit in, um, uh, and not fulfilling the lust of the flesh. And then he shows us these two ways. And we've been talking pretty dominantly over the last so many weeks about the fruit of the Spirit. But we don't need to forget the, these manifest themselves. This is what we're fighting against, okay? And when we see this, um, maybe we see them in group, the fruit of the flesh or the works of the flesh, the first two that are listed here is a loss of control sexually. The first two items that are listed. Um, some texts only have one Greek word. There are, uh, the, I believe the TR actually has two words that are mentioned here, manifested through the term adultery and fornication, um, coming from a very similar word, por, uh, pornos. And uh, this, is, this is showing a loss of control sexually. Now, just to indicate here, uh, talking about this word adultery here, there are the, the feminine form of this word, uh, which would in, uh, be porne, is used in the English oftentimes for the word prostitute. This is a, a, a female who goes out and, and is paid for her services. However, in the issue of adultery, this word is also used of a married woman who goes out and gives her body. She may not be receiving money in return, but she is selling her body, her heart, her emotions, her, her body for a, as, as a prostitute to someone else who she is not married to. The term is used in the New Testament both for a prostitute and for a woman, a married woman, who breaks her marriage vows. The masculine form of this word, uh, pornos, is, uh, is, is, or pormene, which is here in the English where we get the word pornography from. This can be used as for a male prostitute, which was often found in the New Testament, especially places like Ephesus and Corinth. Or a married man who gives his body over to another. This would be the word adultery that we have here. Connected to that which is the breaking of the bounds of marriage. An unfaithfulness in marriage. And listen, this is a serious battle in our world today. And it's not just in the world, it's a serious battle in the church. And and this is the devil knows how to get to marriages through this issue of pornos and, and, and come in and divide the home. And, and Proverbs talks about this in Proverbs chapter 5, 6, and 7. 
through the strange woman that can come in, and this can happen to females and it can happen to males. Um, I've read three articles recently, just this year, of Christian school teachers who, um, national news, two of them were schools that I am associated with back in Illinois and Wisconsin that had to release teachers. One was a 70-year-old teacher, female, with an abuse situation with a 15-year-old in the school. Okay, this is not just something with men. This is something that also happens with women. And, uh, and this is a sin that has crept into the church and continued to creep into the church to break up marriages. And it is a serious battle. This adultery and fornication. Fornication would be more of a general term used uh, for any kind of sexual sin. One connected with the bounds of marriage that has been broken, adultery. The other being a form of any kind of sexual sin that is being um, abused or the use of uh, your your body in an uncontrolled way sexually. And uh, this is serious. Uh, These are desires. And, And this is what the flesh does when it takes control. The natural man, you lose control. When you give over to these types of passions, when the sin comes into the life of the believer. This is not just something for unbelievers, but something that happens to believers as well. Then there's two more that are listed in this list. You see that here in this verse. Um, uncleanness, and the King James uses the word lasciviousness. This is a loss of control morally. Morally. The two words that are used here for uncleanness and lasciviousness, the Greek word means, the first one means an unmixed um, uh, or, or a, a mixed use of, uh, of, of an infection. It was often used in the medical field for leprosy. When someone had an infection in their body or an open boil, it was viewed as unclean. In fact, a leprous person, when he came into an area where there was a public, a group of people, he had to cry out this term in the Greek. If he was using, if he was speaking in Greek to people, he had to cry out, unclean. It meant something that was polluted, something that was uh, disdained, something that had been now marred. The, 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 without the prefix, without the un in there, if you could see that, it, it means clean, it means washed, it means pure, something that is not contaminated. But with the prefix added on there, it means impure or unclean and dirty. This is what sin does. It comes in and creeps in. And this is talking about any kind of sin, not just sexual sin, any kind of sin that creeps in and becomes an infection in the life of the believer that produces an unclean, immoral spirit and attitude in his life. The second word that the King James translates here as lasciviousness, this this word here can be translated lewd. Or um, the definition would be some kind of shocking conduct. One de- uh, definition here is unbridled lust or animalistic. Okay, uh, you've heard the, the term um, a party animal. This would be like hedonism. Someone who is given over to their, their sinfulness and their depravity in a way that causes them to act 
behave, and think things that are completely lewd, completely um, uh, given over to evil passions and evil desires, and this, this, um, this lasciviousness that is used here. Both of these words are very strong words that are used to show the passions and the appetites, this unbridled lust. In fact, Peter uses this exact same word in 2 Peter 2 in verse 6 when he's talking about the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah. Yes, it included uh, sexual sin, but he used this as animalistic. This is just overindulgence of your appetites. There's more that's going on there in, uh, in, uh, that Peter sees of the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah. So this list just starts right out with a giant, dirty stain. And, and you say, well, that's, that's not me. Adultery, I've been faithful in my marriage. Okay, uh, fornication, I've been, I've been true and pure. Uncleanness, um, I try to keep uh, my, my, my moral thoughts with the Lord and, and my, my moral control with that. Lasciviousness, all right, I'm not, I'm not out there um, and doing anything lewd or, um, or, or dirty or anything like that. And say, okay, I'm pretty safe. Well, listen, the list goes on, okay? And he goes on in, in this, and the next one here is the term idolatry. This is any form of worship, any form of worship. This is a loss of control spiritually. He has two terms that are used here, idolatry, talking about the issue. Anything that gets in between you and God is idolatry. And that could be anything as simple as golf, car, or your job. Um, it doesn't necessarily manifest itself like the, the Buddha statue in one of my neighbor's yards or the Hindu god in one of my neighbor's yards or, or, or the Muslim god or, or some kind of spiritism that we've heard about sometimes that, from some of our missionaries that have come. But listen, it, this idolatry creeps into our life in a subtle fashion when we put anything between us and our Savior, us and God. And we begin to serve it and to worship it and put all our attention and time to it. But then we explain it away by saying, oh, no, I don't have any idols in my house. They show themselves. A phone, social media, the internet, any kind of habit that can creep into your life that begins to control you spiritually. You go to it for a source of, of spiritual satisfaction. You may not think that it is, but it brings some kind of spiritual dependency and release to you. And that is connected with the very next word, which helps us to understand this is still connected to a, a, a loss of control spiritually. The word that is used here is witchcraft. Sometimes it is translated sorcery. But interesting enough, the Greek word... Pharmakia is where we get our word pharmacy from. It is, in a, in, a, in a literal fashion, it's talking about the use of medicine. In fact, in Strong's, this is one of the definitions of this Greek word. Now, that doesn't mean that witchcraft and sorcery was always connected to drugs, even though I do believe there is a connection there oftentimes. But any, any kind of going to some mind or body altering um, intoxication to take your awareness and, and thoughts away from the place that it should be. 
Now think about the Lord Jesus Christ while on the cross. Do you remember they offered Him a mixture? One, they offered Him to, get, to, to, to moisten His lips so that He could cry out. That was, that was not wrong. But there was another medicinal form of, of, of a sponge that He refused because it was to deaden the pain and also alter the senses. In the Lord Jesus Christ... In the, in the final states of his physical capacity, literally bleeding out the last drops of blood in his life, said no to something that would, would alter him in a way that would change his dependence in that moment on his plan and purpose to God. I'm not saying it's wrong to take medicine, but to take it in a, in a place when it is not the plan and the purpose of God's will out of control is abuse. And it has oftentimes, had been oftentimes used in connection to witchcraft. Um, it, it is so, I don't have to go into this too much so to help you to understand the abuse of opioids in, in our country, in our world. Um, marijuana, even though it is um, a... A, a smaller use of a drug now compared to what was that is going on in the streets. Okay, understand that. Many of our officers that face a lot of these hard drugs. However, a lot of types of things that even within the church that people are turning to, instead of turning to the Lord, that are turning to other things and become addicted, sleeping pills and other things like that. I've seen lives that have been destroyed because of a loss of control in this area, and it is in a lot of fashions um, how we deal with hurt and pain and loss. Now, uh, you see a doctor, get a prescription, talk to a doctor. If, if there are some pain issues that you are struggling with, don't ever go to it in an illegal fashion and, uh, and, and go around the medical realm to, to try and... Um, and, and do some of these things that are oftentimes uh, done even within the church. And help us to teach our, gener our young people that, uh, to say no, okay? And, and how to turn to the Lord when there is depression and bullying and feelings of suicide that happen. It happened in, our, it's happened in the schools that I've been connected with. Um, where we've had 7th and 8th graders in a Christian school bring drugs to school. And uh, when I was a principal, and we had, we, had, we had to deal with that situation with a family in our church. It happens. And let's, let's help teach our young people um, how, to, how to go to the Lord, how to go to God's Word, how to find the fruit of the Spirit and not give in to the manifestation of the flesh. Uh, because it's a slippery slope. It starts out with, with the small stuff and then ends up uh, years later with the hard stuff and, uh, and a life that is terribly wrecked by, um, by this type of, of thing. Uh, so this word witchcraft is basically what I'm saying is it's not specifically, it doesn't have to just specifically about occultism. It's, uh, it is connected with idolatry and, uh, and how, we, how we lose control spiritually. Another uh, group of fruit of the Spirit that would be a loss of control personally. There are three here that are listed in this list. So you can kind of see them uh, grouped together. That would be hatred, variance, or some kind of fighting and emulations. Now interesting how these words, the word hatred here means 
enmity or an enemy. That can be translated enemy. This word hatred, meaning against. This word variance or discord or enmity or strife. Some translations translate it contentious. All right? This is... um, This is dealing with division and divisiveness, emulations here. This is an interesting word um, that is used. It it, it literally means to boil water. It's the the Greek word zealos, which can often be used in a positive fashion. We would see the word zeal or jealous in a positive way. All right? But when this word is used, emulation, in a negative fashion, it means to assert yourself as better than the other. And you strive for that. And you seek to control people. Uh, in other words, I'm better than you, and so I'm going to be over-competitive and outdo you to the point that I trample on you. So that's why these three words, both hatred, discord, or variance, and then emulations are seen together. This is rivalry. Two teams trying to be better than the other team. This competitive spirit. Listen, that happens in a marriage between a husband and wife who, who are constantly at one another trying to up the other one. And then the division and the divisiveness that comes. And then all of a sudden, two people who were once friends are now at enmity. Enemies. I've seen it in youth groups. It happens in churches. Two people who, who, uh, who, who used to you know, share in the same children's ministry or in the same Sunday school class or used to tag team in, uh, in teaching or something, and then all of a sudden, there's some, some kind of discord, some kind of strife and contention of, of jealousy gets in between, and then all of a sudden, a good thing that was happening in unity has now just been divided and... Um, and, and now there's jealousy within the game, and there's frustration, this overcompetitiveness that it, that comes into the life of these individuals. There's another one: someone who's openly hostile. I'll show that someone who spreads discord and strife, and someone who is zealous to control others. That would be how you would see these three: a loss of control personally. This would be you would see people as enemies and not as friends. And then there's another group of uh, two of them here, uh, wrath and strife. This would be a loss of control socially. The word wrath here is the word thumos. It means a rage or an indignation that rises gradually, becoming more unsettled, like someone said, heartburn. All right, it starts out at one o'clock in the morning, not too bad, but then you wake up and it gets, uh, or it's, it's, it's coming up, all right? And um, eventually boiling over, boiling over passion. One translation says fits of rage. Another says outbursts of anger. It is, a, it is violent but brief, like a volcano. It blows out, creates a lot of damage, and it's over. Um, but, but you got what you, what you came for. You're, you, you let it all out and you feel better about it. Uh, one, one translation said breathing violently. Um, is the way this word wrath is. Someone who is getting ready to blow up and everybody knows it. All right, This is that loss of control socially and everybody knows it. This is strife. This word here is similar to the word variance above, but it conveys a selfishness, a self-ambition, a self-will. I want my own way, therefore I'm going to assert it over someone else. That would be variance. So this is the feeling. 
on the inside um, that, is, uh, that is strife and selfish ambition. It comes from the word hireling, interesting enough. Someone who is seeking to win followers for a selfish gain. And that's what a hireling is. Comes in to find a crowd to follow them. To boost them up so that they have a following. All right? Uh, for selfish gain. This would be the word strife, a loss of control socially. There's a couple words that are used here. Someone who has rage boiling inside and then someone uh, who seeks to win others for selfish ambition. And then another two words. This is a loss of control corporately. Seditions and heresies. Seditions, this word means a standing apart. Or a standing, yeah, standing apart. So separation from, uh, standing apart, uh, one who opposes another person. And uh, this just continues, a dissension or division. A state in which all togetherness and unity is gone. And interesting how the word heresy used, the word heresy literally means a person who makes a choice in a positive fashion, it was used for a school or a group of people who had made the same decision. However, in a negative fashion, this word heresy is seen as a word to describe a sect of people who choose to ignore truth. Therefore, they gather themselves together around a lie. That would be how you would see it as someone who is opposed to truth. A heretic, someone who, who brings heresy in, in, uh, in, in the group. And this is, a, this is a form of the flesh that comes out in, uh, in the life of believers as well. When there's division that is caused, dissension that is caused, getting people on your side, I've seen that happen as well. You got an opinion, you got a direction, you feel like it should be this way, and so your intent is you're going to call everyone, email everyone, put it on social media, and find out how many people agree with you in the church, or at work. And so that you can come with your party and then present it to the other side who's got a following over here, and then all of a sudden you have two camps. That's not unity. Unity doesn't mean sameness. We can all have different opinions and, and different ways and different strength, but when we come together, unity is that we agree within the differences to sometimes disagree agreeably. We come together. All right, dissension and, uh, and sedition comes in where there is a point to divide and factor, gather people on your side, and then all unity is lost in that point. One party is going gonna, is gonna to have its followings, and then oftentimes it ends in a split with this group of people not liking this group of people. And uh, it happens that way. And then you end up with a group, a sect of people who are following their own truth. Right? or another Baptist church down the road. That can come out as well. Um, you have here uh, another set. We'll move through these uh, a group here. Envyings, murders, drunkenness, and revelings. A loss of control relationally. Envyings is, um, is someone who is ill-natured or embittered. Jealous. Strong says this word is a strong desire that sours the miserable trait of being glad when someone experiences pain or misfortune. In other words, the displeasure of another or, or the, the pleasure 
of another person's bad and the displeasure of another person's good. So wanting evil to happen to someone and angry and upset when something good happens to someone else. So this happens when your coworker receives the promotion, but you don't. Um, this is envyings. Or you want something bad to happen to someone else and it happens and you say, see, I told you so. All right? This is getting back. This is the very opposite of 1 Corinthians love that, that desires no evil towards the other person. I like the word here, or, or I don't like the word, but it, it shows help. A souring, that's what this, this word is. The re, this the envying, it sours in the soul. Murders, you know how that is in, in killing, all right? And Jesus talked about that, wishing someone to, to, to be dead or not to be around anymore. Drunkenness, this is a, this is a loss of sobriety, right? So um, if we uh, flip here and see, okay, someone who takes justice into his own hands, um, someone who cannot stay sober, this is the lack of soberness. Notice this is a lack of control. Revelings, this is an interesting word. Someone who lives riotously or unbridled passions in a group. The word actually, the definition of this word reveling actually is a village festival. That's an interesting definition, a village festival. However, making merry that takes place gathered around grapes. <laughs> what, do you, what do you think happens at uh, you know, the local Oktoberfest in Munich, Germany, you know, uh, when they gather around grapes? Uh, any, anything but, um, but wholesome for uh, little children and for adults. So when you think of this word reveling, think of debauchery. A party that results in lewdness, abuse, drunkenness, fighting, drugs, guns, out of control. All right? You know, that would be this local nightclub down here on 53, um, you know, whenever it opens its doors, uh, which resulted in someone being shot right here, not far from the church. All right? Why a Christian would ever find himself in a place like that is beyond me. Why are we surprised that in the parking lot over here, where, where people gather and boom their cars with rock music, smoke and dope, and go inside a party such as that, playing rock music in such a way, why are we surprised that someone shot out in the parking lot? It shouldn't be. Because that's what's going on. That's the works of the flesh. And the sad thing is, it's when Christians are in places of such environment that the works of the flesh make them manifest, which is why they're caught on a cell phone doing lewd things. Right? You can be the coach of the greatest football team in the United States, and all it takes is one of these types of parties. And your testimony for Christ, if you are a believer and are caught in those places, which most oftentimes Christian athletes are, when they lose control when they no longer exhibit the fruit of the Spirit. And can I tell you, a lot of your young people, a lot of our young people, are being tempted to say it's not a bad thing to be a part of that. Just don't do the drugs or don't take part in the alcohol. Just go there for the dancing and the music and the friends. You'll be okay. 
and then they end up, somebody said something about nothing good can happen after 11 or 12 o'clock at night, and so teenagers don't need to be a part of anything that's going to happen like that, um, And uh, which is one of the reasons I don't like um, all-nighters for youth activities either, <laughs> uh, because of just that. That was part of what happens, all right? And this is, this is um, in those places, in, in those environments. Now, as we just kind of show this here in this uh, last slide here, then we'll close. You can see this in a, in a physical fashion, spiritual fashion, relational fashion, and a lack of discipline. This, again, is just another way that someone has divided this up in a chart of these works of the flesh and how they come out. Physically, we would see that in a, in a sexual fashion. Spiritually, these are two relational things that deal with the idols of the heart, these relational issues of those around, this just groups those in a little bigger category. And then a lack of discipline, which would be carousing or reveling and drunkenness. Interesting that these two at the end are connected together. Very similar how idolatry and witchcraft and uh, fornication and impurity and uncleanness are mentioned together as well. Some of these are connected together because there may be an overlapping of these sin. One may... Uh, encourage the other, as in the case of drunkenness and, um, and debauchery or this partying. But I want you to understand at the end of this verse, look at the end of verse 21. He said, and such the like, of which I tell you before, as I also told you in times past, that they which do these things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, that's a pretty strong statement. Now, where often believers get stuck on is, does that mean that if, if a believer does one of these things, does that mean he loses his salvation? Does that mean that if he takes part in one of these sins, either sexually or, or, or down in the bottom of the list, drunkenness or something like that, then that means they've got to come back and rededicate and get saved again, or, or the fact that now they're, they're going to go to hell? Well, the emphasis would be on the word do, in this, in this phrase. This is a present active participle, which means someone who is habitually practicing and doing this regularly. That would be how this would be seen. In a, in a fashion that there is, there is an ongoing duration of living in this with no desire to get it right. This is where it's dangerous. And in that place, we enter into, I believe, 1 John. And when 1 John is talking about this with the fact of the person who, who comes to the place and says, you know, I, I, I don't have any sin and um, I don't have any problem with me and, uh, and co yet continues to abide in, in these behaviors, then they show that they never were. Because Ephesians says, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Verse 16 of Galatians 5 says, walk in the Spirit. Verse 18 says, we should be led by the Spirit. Verse 25, he enters in again, walk in the Spirit. This is a person, believers can lose control in these areas and fall. And just to remind you, all of these sins can be forgiven by the blood of Jesus. All of them. None of the lists that are in here is the unpardonable sin. And in fact, many of us at times have fallen in when we've lost control of the Spirit in our life, have fallen into reverie or, or division 
or, or this spirit of anger or wrath or maybe even some sexual sin or even some loss of control on the discipline area in our life. With Christ, there is forgiveness. And as a believer, stop the practice, find repentance, and move to walking in the Spirit. That is the answer. So if the Lord has convicted your heart tonight with one of these lists, and the answer is for you, is to come back to the Lord and say, Lord, forgive me of that. If you have a desire that says, I don't care, I'm going to continue in this, then the Scripture has um, enough of a warning sign to say, be careful. Because if you continue this way with no such desire for repentance or turning, then you may not be one of His. Because if you are one of His, He will continue to chasten and, and go to you. So next week we'll see the, 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 uh, the fruit of the spirit of meekness and how this is in control. I just thought it would be important for us to see this list again tonight. Father, I pray as we close tonight. Uh, Lord, it's, it's hard for us to go through lists like this um, because we don't want to talk about the destructiveness of sin. But it is important that we come to these lists and don't read them over quickly and move on to the good stuff. That we are constantly reminded that we have the old man who rears its ugly head, its dead head, haunting us from the grave of our past, trying to convince us that we should come back. And, and Christians fail at times. When we, when we don't mortify the flesh and um, we don't find forgiveness. And Lord, when, when we fall into these patterns and we fall into one of these sins, don't let us go far until you break our heart and don't let believers go far until you get a hold of their spirit to, to see the importance of, of allowing the spirit to control the mind and the heart and the body again. Um, would we be careful to see ourselves in these lists and, and deal with sin very quickly and seriously and soberly. And uh, bless us, help us to teach our young people and our children the dangers of these sins that can creep up into their life uh, that the devil says is, is not, not bad. And then that power of sin that now is, is dominating the life of one of our children or our teenagers or our young adults. Uh, would, we, would we see the love of Christ and the blood of Christ that can cleanse us from all unrighteousness and bring us back into a fellowship with you? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you. You are dismissed.